0: Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Crime Couch. First of all, I want to apologize for taking a short break between March and April. I'd been cramming during my last month of school, and I'm so glad to finally be back and say that I'm officially a college graduate. Today we're going to be talking about a case that is very well known by everyone, and these are the cases that haunt me the most because they involve children. There are multiple cases like this that all have the same storyline, and it's absolutely terrifying to know that it happens more frequently than we can ever imagine. Today, we're going to be talking about the disappearance of Madeline McCann. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. On On a large one. On April 28, 2007, Kate and Jerry McCann, along with their three children, Madeline, Ameline, and Sean, arrived in Portugal at the Ocean Club Complex in Praia de Luz for a family vacation. Most of the evenings, the adults staying in the resort would meet up for dinner and hang out until the early hours of the morning. The restaurant was located inside the resort itself and was only about 50 meters away from where the McCann children were sleeping. And just to add in 50 meters is only around 164 feet so they saw no issue in being away from the rooms within that close of a proximity on may 3rd over breakfast with the family madeline asked her mom and dad why they didn't come back to the apartment at all the night before and told them that she cried when she realized she was alone kate and jerry then made a mental note to make sure to check on the kids way more in the following evening Later that day, the kids play around in the pool for a while before being taken to a kids club so that Kate and Jerry can take a tennis lesson. At around 5 p.m., Kate takes the kids back to the room to get them ready for bed, while Jerry goes out to play another game of tennis. Around 7, Gary returns and Madeline is reading a bedtime story to help her fall asleep. The twins are laid down in a travel cot next to Madeline's bed and they all fall asleep as Kate and Jerry leave to go to dinner. It is important to note the window is closed and the bedroom door is left ajar. It's around 8.30 p.m. when Kate and Jerry eventually leave and head to the dinner at the Tapas restaurant where they meet with seven other adults. They enjoy their evening and even develop a schedule so that every 10 minutes the children are checked on. At 9.05, Jerry heads back to the room and notices that the position of the door is slightly different than how they left it. He walks into the room to check on the kids and sees that all three of them are sleeping. Jerry then heads back to the restaurant but stops to have a conversation with an unknown stranger on the way. At around 9 15 another parent within the group, Jane Tanner from the dinner, walks past the McCann's apartment while heading to check on her own kids. She sees a strange man carrying a small child near the McCann's apartment, but thinks nothing of it. This man would soon become the police's main suspect in the Madeleine McCann investigation. At 9.30, one of the friends at the dinner, Matthew Oldfield, offers to check on the McCann's children for them since he was on his way to check on his own in the apartment next door. He then returns and says that everything looked normal and was quiet. It's now around 10 p.m. and Kate finishes eating, so she heads back up to the apartment to check on the children and notices that their bedroom door is open way more than they originally left it. Normally, this wouldn't raise a red flag considering the amount of people that went to check on the kids that night. It wouldn't have been too uncommon for one of the adults to maybe have accidentally left the door a little more open than before. Kate then goes to close the door and it suddenly slams shut due to a breeze. She quickly opens the door back up and runs back into the room to see that the window is wide open and the shutters are up. She then looks and realizes that Madeline is missing from her bed. The police are immediately notified, and right away, there is a search party sent out to look for Madeline. Hundreds of volunteers searched around everywhere for Madeline over the next few days, and the case spread around the world. The Portugal police received heavy criticism for their actions and failure to preserve evidence or even failing to conduct a house-by-house search around the neighborhood buildings or interviewing other guests to see if they saw anything. They were also very slow to block off the road and the crime scene itself. The crime scene however was not even blocked off and this allowed around 20 people to come in and out of the apartment building potentially contaminating the scene and ruining any forensic evidence that could have been discovered. A former officer for the Portugal Police reported that it was one of the worst preserved crime scenes he had ever witnessed. As early as May 4th, the next day after the disappearance, Kate and Jerry appeared in front of the media in desperation for any information that relates to their missing daughter. Kate stands then gripping Madeline's favorite toy while Jerry says, Words cannot describe the anguish and despair that we are feeling as the parents of our beautiful daughter Madeline. We request that anyone who may have information relating to her disappearance, no matter how trivial, contact the Portuguese police and help us get her back safely. On May 5th, as the investigation is still underway, the police announced that they believed that Madeline was abducted but is still alive somewhere in Portugal. This is where the man that we mentioned earlier enters the picture. Jane Tanner, one of the dinner guests, had spotted this man walking around the area at the time of the disappearance. He was described as being a Mediterranean man with dark hair and wearing tan shorts. The man that was spotted carrying a child that evening that Madeline disappeared was reported to the police and he ended up becoming the number one suspect. This did end up becoming a dead end, and it was discovered about six years later that the man Jane had seen was an innocent British tourist carrying his own child to their apartment. Robert Murat was initially labeled the second suspect within the case just a few days into Madeline's investigation. Murat lived with his mother Jenny in a house very close to where Madeline was missing. His mother became the alibi he used for the night Madeline went missing, and she states that he was there the whole time. Murat is originally from Norfolk, and he frequently helped police with translations between witnesses in the very first few days of the case due to him knowing both English and Portuguese. He became heavily involved within the investigations, which can sometimes raise a red flag, especially in kidnapping cases. Predators like to insert themselves in cases they are involved in, and the eagerness that Murat had to help was raising suspicions. Many people who interacted with this man said that he was a strange man and that made it easy for him to become a suspect as well. The British newspapers are known for being extremely ruthless when it comes to targeting people and they didn't hold back in publishing terrible news articles about Murat. He ended up filing a liberal lawsuit over serious defamatory news articles about him. Murat then stated he had gone through hell and back without doing anything wrong and officially ended up being dropped from the suspect list. On August 6th, a Portugal newspaper reported that there was blood found in both the apartment that the McCann's were staying in along with the rental car they were using. The police had previously stated the potential vital forensic clues may have been destroyed due to the crime scene being contaminated special sniffer dogs were brought in to examine the crime scene to see if they would alert the police of anything. These dogs normally specialize in smelling blood and decomposition. And as the dogs searched around the apartment, they notified the police of two potential locations, the closet in the parents' room and the area behind the couch. It was discovered that there were some bloodstains behind the couch and those were sent off to a lab where they came back inconclusive. Their rental car, however, was also searched as well and both blood and signs of decomposition were discovered and alerted by the dogs. DNA samples were also taken from the rental car, and it was confirmed that it matched Madeline's. Kate and Jerry were now officially named suspects of interest in their own daughter's case. And both Kate and Jerry were also physicians back in the UK, and many in the public accused them of knowing how to sedate their own children to help them sleep better. Although these new revelations are suspicious, Police are unable to connect any more evidence to the McCanns, and they are cleared from the suspect list. The McCanns also claim a hefty sum of money from lawsuits against the tabloids due to the libel damages and the articles falsely accusing the parents of murder. On September 9th, the McCanns were finally allowed to leave and they returned back to their home in Britain. A day later, Chief Inspector Tarvis D. Almada, a day later, Chief Inspector Tavares de Almeida of the Police judiciaire in Porto Mayo signed a nine-page report concluding that Madeline McCann had died in their apartment as a result of an accident and that the tapas dinner and rota checks on the McCann's children had been a part of a planned cover-up, that the family friends had helped to mislead the police, that the McCann's had concealed the body and then faked an abduction. It was kind of a stretch for him to assume that, but it did make sense when he did present the evidence. A public prosecutor subsequently applied for the confiscation of Kate McCann's diary and Jerry McCann's laptop, plus the group's phone records, and on October 2nd, the chief inspector was removed from the case and transferred after alleging that the British police were only interested in pursuing leads favorable to the McCanns. He would go on to publish a book called Maddie, The Truth of the Lie, the following summer, resulting in a lengthy liberal battle with the McCanns that would run back and forth through the courts until March 2017. At the end of 2009, news images were released of what Madeline would look like as she aged in hopes of helping the public keep an eye out for her. There were some police files that have been released and the detailed possible sightings of Madeline, both Kate and Jerry spoke up about how frustrating it has been that they feel as if the Portugal police have not been actively looking for their daughter for a very long time now. Not long after this public appearance, Kate and Jerry signed publishing deals to write their own book about their daughter's disappearance, and the book was later released in May of 2011. In April of 2012, the leading detectives on Madeline's case in the UK stated that he's seeking to bring closure to this case. And there was another photo released that depicted what Madeline would look at the age of nine. And that same day, the Portugal police stated they would not be reopening the case. It's now May of 2013, and the UK police working on this case said they have a list of multiple potential suspects and persons of interest. The Scotland Yard even announced that they have new evidence and new witnesses in the case and open a formal investigation. By October, it is reported that they have over 41 suspects. British detectives then end up taking a flight to Portugal amid the rumors of them planning on making a bunch of arrests. There is another search carried out in Praia to Lose, but yields nothing of interest. And still months later, no new information or evidence emerges within the case. On March 15th of 2019, there was an 8-part series documentary released on Netflix called The Disappearance of Madeline McCann, and I actually remember watching this multiple times. Her parents didn't want to be involved in the film, but released a statement saying that they feared it would intervene with the investigation. It isn't until June of 2020 that there is somewhat of of a break in the case when police revealed that a 43-year-old German prisoner named Christian Bruckner is officially identified as a suspect. He is very well known by police as a convicted child sex offender currently serving time in prison in his home country. Sky News had originally reported that the suspect confessed to a friend that he had a part in Madeline's disappearance as they sat in a bar watching the local news reports. German prosecutors unfortunately believe that Madeline is dead and was murdered and they plan on investigating Bruckner on suspicions of her murder. CBS News reports that after further investigation, the suspect's phone was pinged at and around the crime scene the same night she happened to go missing. And according to German police, They have sufficient concrete evidence to believe that she is dead, while the British police are still treating the case as a missing persons. Hans Christian Walters, the prosecutor leading the investigation into Bruckner, has said he is very confident the inmate is responsible for kidnapping her. He's quoted from BBC last year, If you knew the evidence we had, you would want to come to the same conclusion as I do, but I can't give you details because we don't want the accused to know what we have on him. These are tactical considerations. As of today, when I'm recording this, it is May 12, 2001, and it's currently Madeline McCann's 18th birthday, and her parents are still not giving up hope. They have said that they're continuing to hold onto any small amount of hope left that their daughter is still alive. If you want to find more information on Madeline McCann's case, you can actually visit their family's website at findmadeline.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of The Crime Couch. Make sure you share this podcast with a friend and give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at the Crime Couch Podcast. See you guys next week. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. On a, on a large one.